Welcome back to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Milne-Tite. This season, we're exploring unexpected markets. And today, we're taking you out to the ballgame. We're investigating why a market we thought we knew, the free agent market in Major League Baseball, completely changed course between the end of last season and the beginning of this one. For the first time in the history of free agency, the players struck out. Imagine you're walking into City Field, home of the New York Mets, on a rainy Wednesday afternoon. You're holding your ticket, weaving through a sea of white, orange and blue. You finally make it through the gates, and just beyond the turnstile, you can see inside the stadium. Full of fans of all ages, sporting jerseys with their favourite players, all waiting to see the Mets take on the Toronto Blue Jays. Finally, you're in. The smell of fresh popcorn and hot dogs hits you. You can feel the energy of fans, vendors, all swarming. You check your ticket against the seating signs. And once you've found your section, you walk into the daylight and all you can see is green. And despite the rain, it looks like the game is on. Sounds like any other baseball game, right? The sport hasn't changed much since Major League Baseball was founded in 1903. If you were to travel in time to a game back then, fans would still be eating hot dogs and singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game during the seventh inning stretch. But there have been a few major changes along the way. The introduction of the designated hitter in 1973, the use of instant replay in 2008, and in 1976, the launch of free agency. That season, for the first time, a player could sign with any team once his contract expired. And for the next 40 years, the free agency market basically worked the same way. Then, 2018 happened. This is the way baseball teams have been built for the last 40-plus years. You've got your players who are in the middle of contracts... They stay with the teams they're signed to. And then you have players whose contracts just expired and they're available to the highest bidder. Every off-season is a frenzied bidding war to sign these players, the free agents. Except this year, the free agent market collapsed. Of the nearly 200 free agents on the market, only 12 were signed in late February. We're nearly two months into the season and some free agents are only now signing contracts. Why? What happened that made all the teams in the league suddenly refuse to sign the best available players? What does this collapse say about the free agent system? And what can it teach us about how other established markets are changing the way they spend money? Free agency was a great victory for the players because it used to be like the Hollywood studio system where teams essentially controlled their players forever and more or less paid them whatever they wanted. This is Ben Reiter. He's a senior writer at Sports Illustrated. Ben has been watching the free agent market his whole career, and he knows it all comes down to one thing, money. A lot of times, these are some of the best players in the league in their prime, and competition, at least traditionally, has been great for them. 
you're a baseball player uh, and you're good enough to play professional baseball and you're good enough to reach free agency, that is your financial goal. You know, that's how you're going to make your fortune. But Ben also knows how precious and precarious free agency can be. You've aged out of this career by the time certainly that you're 40. So the window in which you can make this money that you've worked your whole life to make is really just only a couple of years. That's why each winner is so important to these free agents. It's strange to think that just as you reach the peak of your career, the clock starts ticking. This might sound like a bleak version of your own career trajectory, and that's because it is. The free agent market actually is closest to the labor market that you and I face every day for our goods and for our services. This is J.C. Bradbury, a professor of economics at Kennesaw State University. He studies the economics of baseball. The free agent market is similar to any other labor market. A baseball player, like a doctor, a lawyer or a podcast host, competes for jobs within their given specialty. And while you might think plenty of baseball players make a great living for playing a game, the forces that determine that living are stark. The first we've already mentioned, that limited window in which to sell one's skills. The second is the limited number of buyers for those skills. Major League Baseball is what economists would describe as a monopsony, that is a single buyer of labor services of players. And well, we don't have a lot of baseball leagues. And yes, we have 30 major league teams that are competing for your services. But if you don't like what those teams are providing, there really aren't any other options. So that monopsony generally worked out pretty well for free agents over the last four decades. It worked because the team owners traditionally wanted established players and were willing to pay them higher salaries. But those team owners are the only buyer on the market. And when they change their minds about what they want to buy, that changes the whole system. Remember, we're mostly talking about a market for the best players in baseball. And by and large, over the last 40 years, their salaries have gone up and up and up. Just two years ago, in 2015 and 2016, Teams spent a total of $2.5 billion on free agents. There were seven different players who were promised contracts of more than $100 million each. Then something happened. Last year, they spent $1.5 billion. So it's a billion-dollar difference in only a span of one season. So why the drop? If baseball's overall revenue was decreasing, then sure, teams might figure, we've got to cut spending somewhere, let's spend less on players. But that's not the case, because baseball revenues, they're up. So a player might say, hey, Major League Baseball's revenues increased by 7% last year. I should expect free agent salaries for a player of my caliber to be maybe 7% higher. Maybe you expect them to be 5% higher. But baseball may be thinking internally, why do I want to pay this player more money? What's happening is this. Teams across the board are making more money, yes, but they're also gaining a much more sophisticated understanding of what makes a team successful from sources that aren't steeped in traditional baseball wisdom. And those sources are telling them that spending a bunch of money to bring in big stars might not be the smartest move. I'm not an expert on baseball, you know, having grown up in Holland where baseball is not a big sport. I've been to a few games. Um, I've seen the movie Moneyball. But I think the parallels between what's happening in baseball with what's happening in other industries, including financial services, is, is identical. This is Lou Perank. And while he doesn't know much about baseball, he's an expert on how data is used to understand and influence all sorts of markets. 
Lou is the global head of research data at Morgan Stanley. Some of his team take a more traditional approach to data analysis, say looking at stocks, and some look at alternative data, real-world surveys and market research. Together, these data teams help internal researchers and analysts make smarter investments. The data team really is expert in dealing with with data and looking at it without bias, without preconceived ideas, to just look at the facts, to look at the trends within the data, to determine what is relevant, what is what is not relevant, and to draw conclusions just from the data, and then step away and let other people use those conclusions to make the final investment decisions. It's people like Lou and his team who are changing the way some of the most well-established markets operate. When they bring new data to these old markets, analysts like those at Morgan Stanley start to tell clients to invest differently. Ben Reiter, the Sports Illustrated writer, says the radical change in this year's free agent market is a result of the type of work that Lou does. And what these guys are saying is, look, I know you want to pay for the best players in the league and you have been willing to pay up for them, but you've been paying too much. You've been overpaying these players. So the Astros kind of led the way in this strategy. And all of a sudden, in the last year or two, the rest of the league is caught up. In 2014, Ben published an article predicting that the Houston Astros, the then worst team in baseball for half a century, would win the 2017 World Series. It was a preposterous thought. But Ben was right. Last year, the Astros took home their first ever world championship. And they won without spending big on free agents. Instead, they used analytics to make smarter hiring decisions. The Astros in particular are showing the rest of the league that you're not going to buy a championship anymore. You're not going to buy an aging player and pay him a lot of money and win. Uh, You should really use the market to complement the core of players that you already have. Data analytics is not a new field, even in baseball. Look at Moneyball, the story of Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean. He revolutionized how small market teams should think about talent. But the way people are using data across all industries is rapidly changing. It's easy for anyone to get their hands on available data. Whatever your industry, there's more and more data being generated every day. The problem isn't a lack of data. The problem is not knowing how to analyze it accurately. I think traditionally, the advantage was in being the first to find something out, to be the first to know something. Well, nowadays, with the volume of data and the speed of data that is available through the internet and through the data vendors, it is now much more about actually cutting through the noise and analyzing the right data and making the right conclusions there. So the the competitive edge is no longer being the first to find something out. The competitive edge is into really analyzing the data better than your competitors. And once teams understand the data they have, they start to realize that they have to base their big decisions on more than just a gut reaction. I think sport in general will benefit from having more data available to make decisions, you know, building teams, um, their budgets, you know, what, what they need to spend their uh, their money on. And instead of basing that on intuition uh, or traditional ways of looking at, at things, all of a sudden now you have more data, better data that will actually help you analyze it better and will make you realize that some of the intuitions were not necessarily the right ones. And that's exactly what these baseball analysts are doing. Let's go back to the Astros. Their analysts saw that one or two really good and expensive players 
weren't going to break a half century of losing. So they turned to statistics from past seasons and did something radical that affected the way other teams hire or don't hire free agents. In the past, it would be, you know, teams would spend on the free agent market no matter what. Now teams are analyzing their situation and saying, we're not going to have a chance no matter who we sign, so we just won't sign anybody. In fact, this offseason, two teams, the Atlanta Braves and the Pittsburgh Pirates, didn't sign a single free agent. They basically are going back in with what they had from last year, and both those teams were losers last year. So data is one reason the market cratered. Teams were just getting smarter about how they spend their money. But still, if you're a losing team, you'd think there'd be incentive to try to land a big-ticket player. Why would you not spend money when you know you're going to field a losing team? Well, there's a good reason for that. On top of this, you have a new collective bargaining agreement, which allows teams who don't earn a lot of money to get revenue paid to them by high-revenue teams. Everyone's trying to lose games because they can know they can capture some of this revenue-sharing money. Like many unions, the Major League Baseball Players Association issues collective bargaining agreements. This year's agreement attempts to level the playing field between the richest teams in the league and the underdogs. The best teams have to help the worst, sometimes in the form of a consolation prize like early draft picks for the worst teams in the league. You might want the high draft picks that will come from a losing record. So that's why some struggling small market teams might not want to spend big. But there's a reason for big market teams who have more cash on hand not to write the big checks either. Starting this year, when big market teams spend money, including money on free agents, they're penalised if they exceed a certain spending limit. And if they do, they have to pay a luxury tax, which goes directly to smaller market teams. In the past, the richest teams in baseball would just factor this tax into their budget and pay up. But this year's luxury tax is unprecedentedly high. This year, the luxury tax threshold is $197 million. So if you spent a dollar more than that, you would all of a sudden start paying escalating penalties to other teams around the league. So there's all of these disincentives all of a sudden for teams like the Yankees and Dodgers to spend on payroll even though they have the money to. So they're certainly not going to spend that on free agents if they don't have to. When the two richest franchises in baseball aren't spending, it's hard to imagine others will. In fact, it seems like this collective bargaining agreement actually incentivizes teams to save their money. According to the league's collective bargaining agreement, if you drop beneath the luxury tax threshold for one season, then your tax rate is essentially reset to a much lower rate. So your penalty will be much less. So this specific winter, both the Dodgers and the Yankees wanted this to be the year in which they dropped below that threshold. OK, so the teams had more data and a particular incentive not to spend. But there's something else happening here, too. Something even more surprising. Team owners have realized they don't need to win on the field to win at the bank. Baseball has changed as an industry. And the way the league is set up right now, they don't have to sign anybody if they don't want. I mean, they have to field a team, but it could conceivably be 25 guys making half a million dollars each who lose 120 games a year. Probably wouldn't draw many fans, but you'd still probably turn a profit. Analysts have learned that wins don't translate into revenue. And these days, there are many ways to turn a profit, most of which have nothing to do with playing baseball. 
People don't come to the ballpark necessarily just to see wins. They want to not just have their popcorn and peanuts and beer, but they want to have their sushi and flavored martinis and sit in cushy chairs in fancy restaurants and watch mascots do dances and all sorts of contests between innings. And before you know it, you're there and you go, oh, was there a baseball game going on? These alternative revenue sources fuel the argument for spending less on a player If teams are starting to care less about wins and more about money, no matter where it comes from, then they're free to spend elsewhere, leaving free agents vying for jobs with low salaries. But while this year's market is hurting players and forcing their salaries down, it's also benefiting a different set of MLB employees who never even set foot on the field. As of a year ago, the Detroit Tigers had one data analyst on their staff. You know, the Astros have like a dozen of them. Now, there's a whole industry of baseball analysts. Many of these analysts are baseball fanatics who have also had careers at top consulting firms. If teams don't or can't afford to hire these people, they're at a real disadvantage because this industry is continuing to grow and dominate the baseball market. Now I think we can say that this method of analyzing value has reached every corner of the league. So it's kind of bringing Wall Street into baseball Lou predicts that many more industries will start to take analytics just as seriously as baseball has. In baseball, like in other industries, we're dealing with more data, we have better data, and if we analyze that almost independently from the traditional experts, you'll come to to better conclusions. It's happening across sectors, it's happening across industries, markets. Big data is, is here to stay. It will continue to grow, and we all need to respond by investing in data analysis and and the data itself. We don't know if this free agent market will be the new normal, but we do know that data analysis has changed the free agent market and the way teams value players. It's created an unexpected demand for baseball analysts, and that might mean America's pastime is leaving its status quo in the past. Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. If you want to listen to our previous episodes, you can head to morganstanley.com slash ideas. And if you like the Ideas podcast, enable Morgan Stanley on your Amazon Alexa and add us to your flash briefing to hear our thoughts on the market and ideas briefings. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks again for listening.